Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the Desi Sports Desk Football Show with Nevin Thomas and um, a lot of us in the UK are waking up with slightly sore heads, uh, but uh, we'll get into that a bit more. Uh, but it's really good to have uh, you joining us and um, we're trying something new. We're going live on Facebook as well this time, as well as YouTube. So we're trying to expand um, the audience reach and we'll see if we can... Uh, improve uh, what we produce as well but one thing i know for guarantee is the people that we have on the show uh bring the viewers in and the engagement and the first one is obviously the man whose name is on the door hey nevin welcome to the show how are you my friend all good Bharat. Uh, um i mean i'm not a big england fan but even i couldn't you know miss out on all that's happening in social media and i'm happy for you guys and uh Good stuff, good stuff. So it's a lot of football happening and uh, as usual, can't complain. Absolutely can't complain at the moment. And um, I'm just, every week I see that you wear a different shirt and I'm just wondering if it's sending out a message because you've got a Spanish shirt there and um, they're in the semi-finals, which we will talk about. A subtle message? Not at all, not at all. I think uh, I just like wore it because uh, my cats have an affinity for jerseys. So I've selected like two, three so that they can tear apart. So this is one jersey that I don't mind being torn apart. So it's, it's the other way around. You know, this is okay. I don't care so much about the Barcelona jersey, which is why I'm wearing it. Wow, there's a message there as well. You don't mind a Barcelona <laughs> uh, shirt being messed as, up. As a Chelsea fan, I have no love for Barcelona. It's just very clear. <laughs> uh, but we've also got um, somebody who is in the UK and he's been on the show before. But uh, it's absolutely brilliant to have him. Hey, Vimal. Good to have you on the show, my friend. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really well. Um, how's your week been? <laughs> uh, well, I had my off day yesterday and I was at the pub, obviously. And uh, it was great. <laughs> it was great to see people so happy and, uh, you know, excited. And it, it was a really great experience, to be honest. <laughs> happy and excited is a bit of an understatement when it comes to English football fans and uh, <laughs> when we get to the latter stages especially um, we have um, the family the rest of the family joining in it becomes yes. people who don't normally watch football are down the pub throwing pints around um, yes, yes. it's not the normal what happened in in, in uh, Russia two, uh, a couple of years ago but you're getting to see some aspects of it which is good yes, yes. why does I have a quick question how do you build these things? Like, how do you build the beer? Is it just, you know, you and you, you know, pay one whole amount and then just drink unlimited beer? How does it work? Well, it's become a bit of a tradition. And I don't know if you've seen the fan parks, because unlike England, in Europe, they've actually got fan parks in some of the countries. And they're doing the same. Uh, beer is not cheap here, as we will testify. But uh, when it comes to your country scoring a goal or, you know, the passion overrides the finance, but you do, uh, it, it's not a cheap thing to do, but uh, it's become a bit of a, a fun thing to do. I think it'd be like, you know, the, the bar owners will be happy that this has become a tradition. Oh, bar owners, are, <laughs> bar owners are very happy. The only thing is they wanted a bit more opening, but um, as you know, for the semi-final and it's final, there'll be 60,000 people at the stadium. Uh, which is going yeah, to be incredible, that's... incredible. And um, 60,000 outside, they'll be, you know, it will be absolutely packed on Wednesday when England play Denmark. 
Um, Vimal, what was your experience? Were you in a pub? Did you manage to get a seat somewhere? Yes, yes. Uh, fortunately, I did. Uh, Were you wearing white? <laughs> Actually, I was wearing a black T-shirt, but uh, I was obviously uh, cheering for England. And uh, I said happy and excited earlier because I just wanted to keep it civil for the show. Because obviously, <laughs> the fans were a little more than that. And uh, we had uh, the bouncers uh, consistently asking us to, you know, calm it down and asking us to take our seats because of the COVID restrictions, but it was it was brilliant. Like, I, I could see a great vibe in the whole country, at least in a small town like Loughborough. I could see, like, great, great vibes, and I can't imagine what it's like at Wembley and around London and everything. It's exactly the same in the cities. It's exactly the same vibe, but just a, a lot more people. That's the only difference. But, uh, um, yeah, it's been a... I mean, it's a wonderful experience, and we'll talk about the tournament in a bit because um, I'm just jealous, you know. I'm just jealous. You're meeting people, you're having fun. Uh, you know, <laughs> what is even the point of sport if you can't celebrate? So that's that's a sad part, right? Like that's that's a license to do whatever you want in that you know five minutes of uh, you know even even the Champions League, for example. I I'm sure uh, you know Vimal will sort of testify. It's just it feels very lukewarm. For a club that has won Champions League, I've not really, you know, danced around or, you know, annoyed my friends about it or anything. It's just, you know, sitting at home and uh, really doing nothing. So, I'm really jealous. <laughs> Let's move on to the serious topics, please. No, but that's interesting you talk about that. But uh, there must be a team that you watch in India, maybe, or something that brings up that sort of celebration where you can get together as a group. I mean, I'm sure it had it not been for the, the COVID restrictions. A lot of us would have met for the Champions League matches, even Euro matches. There's a big deal. In fact, uh, even Copa, uh, we might have forgotten it, but last time was crazy with Messi fans just uh, yes. you know, really having a lot of fun. So, um, I mean, I, I really miss the fact that we're not watching this together and, you know, doing nasty things to each other <laughs> and, you know, just enjoying or like even the, even the general taunting, you know, when Messi misses a chance, you can, you know, always take a you know, leg of somebody. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's been crazy because it's been really good football happening. Yeah. And uh, the fact that we cannot, you know, sit together and watch it, it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, and, and, and um, I believe um, in past conversations, you t you've told me that uh, Kerala has got a large Argentinian supporters uh, in, in the state. So it must be a really great atmosphere when they all get together. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, given a choice, uh, during a Copa, I would have wanted to take my camera and be in places like Calicut, where uh, Mal is from, or Malapuram, or any of those Malabar regions. You would be seeing, you know, bus stops painted in Argentina and bus, you know, really? flag. That too, like, yeah, yes. that too split in half. One half of the bus stand will be Argentina flag, the other will be Brazil flag. And uh, there will be flags everywhere. And now nowadays, I think Portugal, uh, England, all these uh, countries also have a massive support, probably due to Ronaldo in England due to the Premier League and all that. But there's, there's this massive following for international football. And this is a time when everybody wakes up. So even the people who don't care about the Premier League or something, they're really mad about international football. And it's a tradition, I think, passed on from our parents and you know grandparents. So I think it just becomes, just like it is for you know Premier League fans, like you know your parent took you to a football match. This is this is what footballing tradition means for us. You know, father is an Argentina fan. You are also an Argentina fan, and uh, so that's I, I, again. I'm sure Vimal will be better place to explain this because he's coming from the heart of uh, football culture. Uh, Vimal, I'll ask you the question. The timing must be really weird to watch copper games or South American games in India. It's bad here, 
because yes. it's like after a half 11, 12 o'clock later if it's a, a evening game. What's it I, like back I mean, home? I finished the Argentina game at four and slept at five today in the morning. But yes, my dad was awake as well. It was around six, six thirty in the morning back home. And Your dad's a big Argentinian fan? No, no. I hate Argentina. <laughs> I belong to the yellow side. Oh, right. Okay, the gold side. I mean, that's down to my father mostly because he, he was the one who got me into football. And 2002 World Cup was my first ever football tournament. And that's the original Ronaldo. Yes, yes. The real one, yes. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think uh, our generation, we had a better Brazil team than Argentina. I know there's Messi and there are the Batistutas and Veron and everyone. But the Brazil team with, say, Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Cafu, Dida, even Kaká towards the latter stages. I mean, that 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 was probably the last big Samba team. And we went like our childhood was... Ronaldinho, oh my God, yeah, Ronaldinho. <laughs> yeah, I got like a big jersey signed, okay, so, I'm a, so, uh, yeah, definitely, so that era of uh, Brazilian football, I, I personally feel that's the best uh, I've seen in Brazil, after that it's just been like, I know they've been winning stuff here and there, and you know, there's Neymar, but it's not the same, and uh, we were, we grew up through that, you know, phase, so, you know, Ronaldinho scoring against England was a big cultural movement here in uh, in Kochi or in, in Calicut or anywhere in Kerala as well. Everybody is like, who is this guy who, you know, hit that free kick and he's smiling and happy. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, I'm i also on the Brazil side of it when it comes to this debate. It's simply because you've seen all these players and Argentina for all its potential have never really performed well for me in a, in a, uh, in a big tournament. I know they raised the finals, but even that tournament wasn't really exciting football or anything. It just sort of eked through. Yeah, and I was going to talk about the Copa. Um, I know it's not the um, main topic uh, anywhere in the world because of the Euros and what's happened, apart from South Africa, uh, America, but uh, possibly. But um, does Messi need to win an international team tournament to be at the, you know, when you talk about the likes of Pele and Ronaldo, both of them, uh, Maradona, is this the thing that's missing? For him to be clustered at that level or do you not consider him having to win an international tournament with Argentina because even in the Copa I think it's been I don't know how many years I think they won it back in uh, 93 last time or something way back um, what do you think Bimal? Uh, I, I don't think winning a Copa America is going to define what the little man has done I mean he's, he's made it's, all, it's always held against him though Yes, that is, that is, I don't know. Even Ronaldo with Portugal has won the Euros. Yes, but personally, I mean, if people who know football see Messi play, I mean, it is it is clear that by far he's he's, he's the superior player. I mean, I, I would probably get a lot of hate from the Ronaldo fans for saying this, but you just have to admit it. That the gap is not even close, at least in the last one or two years. I mean, the man is just simply mesmerizing. I mean, every move that he makes, every decision he makes, e even the smallest of passes or something. I, and I genuinely don't believe that uh, a, a national title with Argentina would, you know, like cement his status because I believe it's already there. And, but, but as, uh, even as a Brazil fan, I would actually like to see him win something because I've seen him like lose it. Like, you know, when he was so close and, you know, like, I think to Chile for the last two years and 
it is it is painful to see such a great man not able to win the one thing that he wants to so even as a brazil fan i, I mean i don't actually mind seeing him lift the copa america this year this could be probably his last copa america for all you know and uh, yes i i think uh, it would be like the icing on the cake but i don't think it uh, it defines what kind of a player he was i don't i, don't, I would never agree to that uh, what, what do you think uh, nevin because we saw we saw maradona single handedly take his team to become world champions in mexico i think that was all down to him uh, we saw ronaldo with the euros like i said um why can't messi do it I, I just uh, just to you know jump on to women's last statement icing on the cake i think it's a fantastic cake that doesn't require an icing you know it's just a it's just a brilliant cake <laughs> a cherry on the cake does it deserve a cherry on the cake though yeah it does and i mean like uh, women said we are all happy but i think this is also a construction of the penaldo and pessi era where you know everybody is just you know looking to you know come up with some banter online or uh, uh it's just ridiculous that you know you know that despite what ronaldo and messi has done on the pitch you know they still have to you know go through this criticism every day and you know as if scoring a penalty is not a uh, it is something that can be done by everybody and uh, if ronaldo is getting all the penalties there's probably one reason why they're giving it to him right so uh it, it's it's a ridiculous thing and it's a i think a very Uh, social media era sort of defined of course maradona and pele will keep coming and saying that you know they are greater than the others and also we should try to understand a world cup in the 80s in, uh, in the 80s uh, is a different i'm not saying world cup doesn't matter but like a uh, say in 2020 or 21 a uh, champions league is as big everybody is following it and you know there is so much coverage across the globe while in 86 i don't think we had any uh, any any possibility of watching a, a champions league match here in india so that world cup performance sort of defined greatness we never you know understood what was happening in club stages i'm sure a lot of malayalis who are maradona fans didn't know he played for napoli we just you know everything was based on the fact that he he is argentina and argentina is a good team we were only watching international matches then so i think a lot has changed um you know it's not like messi has not won anything he's won a lot of things and you know the barcelona team at, has went on to change football yeah exactly at, at major level so i don't know if the cherry is required of course the cherry will add to it but i'm i'm just I thinking mean, i would never i would never you know hold it against him and like like i said okay messi is probably part of a good argentina side which is why people are criticizing what happens to uh, a michael lodrop or a even a puskas even in the, the great uh, puskas or something it's not like they you know they they needed to win a lot of trophies to be you know considered a, a, a top top player right so i think it's a little unfair on messi i think i think a lot of people who genuinely criticize comes i think it comes from the fact that it's not like argentina didn't have good teams they had you know the agueros and the hitwines and uh, the maseranos in those sides So I think uh, the expectation would have been a slightly more higher, and 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 the second part of criticism is mostly because you know somehow you you know Ronaldo uh, gone out to win a trophy, and now that can be used against uh, Messi. But I'm not a big fan of this Messi versus Ronaldo debate. I think that is spoiled football because I like the rivalries to be more about teams and uh, not about individuals. So. I think it's because we're very lucky to have two of these yeah, this, in exactly. the same era. 
But um, I'm just trying to put myself, I mean, I'll be honest, I never read Argentinian media or follow any of the forums in Argentina. But if I was an Argentinian, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. We've got the best player in the world. One of the, well, Ronaldo and, uh, you know, a legend, absolute. There's no doubt about that. And he can't get us an international title. Well, Silence. Uh, no, I have a thought, but it's going to answer. Uh, but if we had, if we put, if we if, in India, I mean, the only analogy I can use is probably cricket and the pressure. You know, Virat's got to do it for us. We've got a player like Virat. Obviously, we've got fantastic players. But you know, if that one player had the power to take us to a title, he was producing it day in, day out in club football. But for the national team and for as a national Indian national. Well, not me, but you know what I mean. Uh, you'd want him to lead us to an international uh, tournament victory. Of course, of course. That that is with, without a doubt. Yes, uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how to put this. The thing is, uh, I don't think Argentina fans or people from Argentina will ever uh, have a hatred or like bad mouth Messi just because he couldn't win the title. Maybe a small section of the fans might say, you know, Maradona did it. Why couldn't he? He always plays for Barcelona, but not for Argentina and all that. But I, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe if I was from Argentina, yes, I would be like, oh, come on, he has to do it once. He's, he's the best. He can do it. But I, I would definitely feel that way. I can't deny that. But like I said, it, uh, it wouldn't change the perception that I have for the player. Yeah, he's, he's just simply amazing. And you, we we should all be just really lucky that you know we have a chance to watch him week in week out, and for the last how many years for like decades now, and it is it is just amazing that he he can do what he does like you know on a daily basis, and you just have to love him for that. But again, as a national, maybe yes, I would be a little you know frustrated that he hasn't done anything for the country. But <laughs> I, I, I just want to add. No, I just want to add, I think you would be disappointed because, you know, having had like the greatest player, one of the greatest of all time being part of it, I think it's fair to be disappointed. Oh, no, we missed it. But you can't blame the player for it. You know, it's just a, I mean, it's a sad, like it, it's like, you know, if Sachin didn't win that World Cup, uh, you won't say Sachin is a bad player or you won't badmouth Sachin for not winning the World Cup. But you would think, you know, it would have been the ice perfect icing if Sachin had, you know, wins the World Cup. I think it's, it's similar. I don't think... The blame has to go to, uh, you know, uh, one particular individual. Um, I don't know. Okay, maybe there are politics also. I, I see a lot of fans saying, you know, Messi is the reason why Aguero didn't play a lot in this side. Uh, you know, he wanted Higuain over Aguero. I don't know why, but it seems like they're good friends. Otherwise, uh, you know, all these accusations here and there. But it's just, I think it's just, uh, you know, rumors and uh, it's not like this. Uh, it's not like Messi has come on the pitch and just tell you what a horrible performance. You know, yes, sometimes his shoulder goes down, sometimes it's, you know he doesn't seem to be really up there. But that's common in Barcelona also. When things are not going Messi's way, he's not that player who stands up. That is just a characteristic of a player. And it's up to the teammates and the leaders within the team to understand that we've got a little genius, so we need to protect him and give him the best. So it's not always on Messi to be the captain also. You need to understand that he's a particular type of a player that you need to preserve and you know, uh, you know, take care. And I think the likes of Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, Puyol, all of them knew this about Messi, and they could you know 
get the best out of Messi. But you know, once he became the star of the show and became the captain and leader and all that, I don't think he enjoys it so much. So I think it's it's a mix of all. Just finishing a couple of points just before we finish on the copper. Um, and something you mentioned, Nevin, um, the the last Samba team was probably the one that won in Korea, maybe uh, Japan, that World Cup uh, that you're referring to. Um, is it because the South Americans are now coming, all of them, all the top players obviously playing in Europe now, and they're having to adapt to European style football, so they're losing that Samba, if we're referring to um, Brazil, obviously Argentina and the, the other countries have their own style. Do you think that's had an impact and that's not helped their game? I mean, I have the answer to it because I did ask uh, Hernan Crespo this when he was in Chennai. Oh wow! I asked the same question, uh, same question to him, and he said yes. He 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 was very honest about it. He said now the players are going to Europe at the age of fifteen, sixteen, that they are now factory products. They are they are good. They are you know fantastic in a system. But that individual flair, or you know, what what always what would be associated with South American kind of football, that, that magic that they bring to the pitch, I think it's just gone, and it's it's partly due to the European uh, football. You know, I think it's a greed in some sense, but you can't blame the other side also. They they you know they're battling poverty, so if a 16 year old can you know save a, a family, they'll do it. So yeah. uh, I I think it's a it is it is true, and it's not even my answer. This is exactly what. Uh, Crespo also said, and uh, I mean, who are we to disagree? He should yeah, know it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he should know it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. perfect. And Vimal, I mean, the analogy I would use that uh, while they were back home in South America, they were playing with the heart. When they come to Europe, they have to play with the head, and that changes, doesn't it? Yes, yes. I mean, and I also want to point out that uh, the previous uh, Brazil squads, at least the ones that I've seen, had more than just one superstar. And in, in the current squad, I, I wouldn't call Apart from Neymar, I wouldn't call anybody else a superstar. And like you said, like in Europe, it's it's more technical and it's not it's not about like playing it beautifully. It's about playing to win. And I think the failure to adapt by the South American countries is why they have not been doing well at major international tournaments. It just has to be like you have to move on with time. You know, you can't just stick to your old ways and try to win everything. That's not how the world works. So I think that's one of the reasons why. Well, the the, the 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 newest generation of South American stars have not been able to make the most. Like and like Nevin said, for example, somebody like Vinicius Junior. I mean, he was scouted by Real Madrid before he even became an adult, and then he went to Madrid, like one of the biggest clubs in the world. And I've seen him play, and he's got a little bit of samba in him, but there's no finished product. It's just like nobody is going to remember if there's like a couple of stepovers and no end product you know you got to mm. finish it you got to finish the game and you got to make the difference so i wouldn't say that the whole samba culture is completely lost but i think they're like stuck in between whether to do this or whether to do that or you know so that's i think that's what's affecting these players mm. absolutely well, and I just uh, adding to the fact that i think europe europe is also bully so the moment somebody comes with a, a samba <laughs> samba culture isn't just about you know Playing with flavor and smiling and being little also being historical. Ugly. It goes back centuries. You know, it's yeah. No, I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's also it's also ugly. Uh, it's it's a Suarez. It's a Cavani. It's it's that is also as much uh, samba or South American as the you know the trickery is. And uh, the moment they come to something, look at uh, the Charleston for example. He's a fantastic player. 
But I think he's the most hated figure, yeah. one of the most hated footballer in England, simply because you know it doesn't suit their way of you know how a, a footballer should behave, or you know. And I think that is also part of this you know this constant uh, whitewashing of uh, football, and there's there's this to be this one particular method and one particular way of playing football. And uh, I'm not a big fan at all. I I think uh, I think it ruins it. Um, well, but. Uh, it's really set up because uh, Brazil have got Peru, I think, tomorrow in the semi-final, and Argentina mm-hmm. have got yes. Colombia on Tuesday. So it's really being set up for a, a incredible final next Saturday, I think it is. And if it is the two that we think, um, there will be a lot of people tuning in who have not tuned into any of the games up to now. So uh, something to look forward to. And I'm glad it's Saturday and not Sunday, because that would diminish the figure, certainly here in Europe. Um, but just following on from that, this is just something because I caught it on Amazon today and um, just a thought came. They put on a, uh, a new documentary, I think it's only three, four part, on Guadalajara, the Mexican team, uh, Chivas. Um, and a couple of, one point that came up was there was a Mexican player that's highly rated young player and he says, if I win you titles to the owner, you get me to Europe. I mean, no matter where you play in the Americas, they all want to come to America, uh, to Europe because of the money. And it is financial, let's, let's face yeah. it. Um, but the other, the other thing is, like the Spanish, I think it's Bilbao and one other team that just have local players. And Guadalajara yes, only play Mexican players. And I just thought, you know, would there be an ISL team that would be brave enough to go down that route? One, financially, it'll be better, let's face it. But, and there's no, at the moment, for at least two years maybe, there's no relegation. Do you think anybody's brave enough to go down that route, Vimal? I certainly don't think so. Because ISL, when it came up, I think the most attractive part about it was to get these aging stars to play. And then, you know, a couple of not the top top-notch players this maybe the i don't want to say the second grade because that's derogatory but the players who couldn't make the make the cut at the top level in their countries are coming and the, those, those players are actually making a difference i'm not saying that the indian players aren't uh but when they play together there is a different style uh football being produced and uh you could see that when you see the national team because you know maybe if there's like a really holding midfielder who's good enough to you know control the game that could make a difference so but i wouldn't i would i can't see any of the isl clubs going to take a, such a big risk i mean it, it would certainly be like probably some of the most passionate indian football fans would probably agree if they do that but i don't see them doing that anytime soon at least i mean when i was watching that program Navin, i immediately thought of um my team orisha and northeast united you know, financially not the strongest, but they've got a you know quite a large Indian contingent, and there's no rule that you have to have foreigners, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. But yes. um, it would make sense financially, and you know, potentially getting a larger fan base, having an all Indian team. Uh, I'll tell you what is a problem. FST is not going to allow this to happen. But there's so, no rule, though, is there? But you have yeah, to. I have... Mean, see. Uh, the only time I think an all-Indian team has come out is when Zico decided in protest to play an all-Indian team uh, for FC Goa, yeah. and it was seen as a sign of protest. So, really? uh, you, yeah, as you can understand uh, that uh, you know this is a packaged deal. This is not 
honest football. You know, I said is a is is a is a consumption based on, uh, honest football. <laughs> I I'm going to stick with it. I know if I know strangely enough, uh, there are big guns listening to our podcast every week. But uh, uh, so, but like it, it is the truth. It is the truth. I'm sure if it was England fans consuming the ISL, there would be like riots everywhere. It's, it's you know, it's 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 so sad sometimes when you look at it. But I think as Indian football fans, we've gotten used to it, and uh, we've started looking at the positive sides of it. There are you know good players getting better opportunities, better facilities, and stuff. I'll tell you the when the uh, when a Shillong Lejong or when a few other teams decided that they're going to play Indian, uh, an only Indian team, the first reaction that all of us had was that, oh no, next year they're shutting down. Really? So that's that's the first reaction because that is always how it's been. Whenever a team decides that you know we are going to go all Indian, we know they are you know financially really weak. It doesn't come from a space of. Uh, uh, you know, wanting to, to just promote uh, Indian football, they want to survive somehow. But they—it's it, just the beginning of the end. So first, you take away their foreign contracts and slowly, you know, uh, just sort of let go of the other players as well. So it's always a, a very sign when a when a club says that. Despite the clubs like you know, Vinaya Punjab, uh, Chennai, uh, Chennai City, all of them promoted a lot of uh, very good uh, youngsters and art clubs that were. You know, historically known for promoting youth, um, so I don't think it will happen. I I wish it happens, but the system doesn't allow it to happen. So if if they do it, they are risking you know irking the officials at you know multiple stages. But the, and but, but the I League clubs have got that freedom, but they they are struggling financially. We all know that, but they will yes. still go out and sign two three foreign players. I think the problem is I I League still has relegation. So you, you don't want to like get relegated also after putting so much money on. So what people do is that they find the two three uh, you know cheap options who will come and score that goal or stop that goal for you. So it's usually a centre back or a, a striker and maybe a midfielder. That's usually then. And you know you, these players are mostly scouted uh, from Kolkata. They're already there in India. It's not necessarily you know crazy scouting. We're bringing players from Europe and all that. So. Um, I think that you can't blame them. Um, and personally, I am also a fan of uh, getting these guys also on board because you need to learn also, you need to uh, you know, challenge as well. So, it's a, I don't know the right balance for it. Sometimes a good foreigner is adding value to it. I, I've seen brilliant foreigners, you know, uh, Katsumi Usa and all those, uh, those very nice players who come. Amna, Al Amna from the Syrian player, I'm very impressed by him. Uh, was part of the uh, Isol team that won. So, uh, see, I think it's a it's a mix of all. I, I don't think it's as straightforward as just playing, you know, eleven Indians and being okay with it. But I, considering the structure, considering the the, the financial models, I wouldn't be surprised if a few teams said, you know, enough is enough. We can't sustain this the way it is. So we're going to play a, a, you know more Indians and have like say one or two in the team who we occasionally play or who. So I think it will go there, but it really depends on what the AFF is talking to them, what FSDL is talking to them. So it's more likely for an I League to do this than uh, an ISL team to do this because I think ISL is really then irking the the owners and uh, yeah, it's 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 asking for trouble. Well, um, after the big uh, bombshell this week, the Rohan is taking a back seat uh, as an advisor. I'm hoping. Um, 
he's said it before that he listens to this podcast now and again he's listening to this and he might have put a little bit of an idea in his head because I know he's I think it's, it's, it's something that Rohan would want I guess considering yeah. how he's recruited in the last two three years I think it's something he would be happy with yeah but yeah. it's also how you know his brand he also probably assigned with you know there are commercial deals which require you to finish top half and things like that so it's not as easy um, moving on, and um, I'm just wondering, Vimal, has Tuchel missed out on Jadon Sancho? <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't have, uh, I'm not really worried about Jadon Sancho because I think we have uh, good players in that position. On the what left? I want for Chelsea is, is a guy who can bang in 20-25 goals a season, which has been missing since Diego Costa left us. and. That's that's what I really want. I, I really hope we go for a striker on the market. And I'm actually scared that if United can actually get hold of Varane, it is it is going to be very interesting, to say at least, because you know they have they do have a good squad. They have some really world class players, and they just be missing like a couple of you know they, they've got a good winger now, uh, you know who they can like actually trust to deliver at least based on the performance so far. Sancho is just incredible and. You saw it in yesterday's game as well. What he could do—he was literally running circles around the defenders. And oh, I mean, Ukraine! Obviously, argue that you know it's it's just Ukraine, but you know he is world class and he's he's done it. I don't know if you guys remember the the Dortmund game against Barcelona, where he scored a fantastic goal. He took a turn and then just beat Testegen. And it's not easy to beat a keeper like that. Testegen mm. is world class as well. Yes. So yes, uh, and I, I am I'm I'm actually happy that he's come back to England and. It would be interesting if he scores against City and I'm looking forward to the celebration or not celebrating that follows. I don't know if they've got a sale on, uh, you know, of uh, fee uh, that they might get some of that 70 odd million part of that. But uh, (laughs) Nevin, when you look at Sancho, Fernandes, Rashford, that's not a bad midfield. At all, at all. It's it's actually a very good team. Uh, But, you know, strangely enough, United fans are still crying. They still feel that you know their team doesn't spend enough, um, and uh, they need backup in like literally every position. <laughs> in the, um, I think this is already a very good squad. Um, I know maybe a centre back will definitely add value. They do need a centre back. Yeah, I think centre back is one position. But otherwise, I think they're very good. Look at Luke Shaw; he's been playing really well. Um, there is talk about Trippier, but is he really needed in that side? I, I, yes. I'm sort of uh, as a squad you know, player. Yeah, it's a sort of a squad player. I'm spending 30 odd million for a squad player seemed a little ridiculous to me. Uh, and they've got Dallow and Bisaka, so I, I don't think that's a that's urgent for them. If they can afford it, they should go ahead and do it because it's a, a good player. Um, and then you have somebody like uh, Van der Beek sitting there, so it's not even like a squad that is you know fully used. And yeah. I still feel uh, the likes of Dan James and uh, Ahmad and all of them are you know good. Good squad players, definitely yeah. good squad players. Good enough to, you know, aid aid uh, uh, the first level. So it's a very very strong team, and uh, I don't think United fans should be complaining this summer. I think uh, no. they've been they've they went ahead and done these deals quite fast as well. They've not waited for the last uh, last one month. So uh, good good times for United fans, I guess. Yeah, and unlike your boys, they don't need a striker. When you've got that midfield, that midfield will get you a lot of goals. Um, and obviously, they've got Greenwood and Cavani up front. I think Varane. If they get Varane, then, yeah, they are going to be challenging Man City. Um, so, that'll be interesting. Um, but um, we have to, obviously, end the show. I say end. We're gonna, we've got quite a bit of time. 
have to talk about the Euros. And um, Vimal, I'm not sure if you caught any of the show, but we did a bit of a prediction with Nevin last week. <laughs> um, just prior to the round of 16, I think a couple of the games had gone through. But I have to, you know, um, fair play to Nevin. He did take part in that. It, it was an out of choice. But uh, there were some uh, unusual results, put it that way, in the round of 16. Um, Denmark had it easy against Wales. But the Austrians pushed the Italians. Um, <clears throat> Netherlands was the big one for me, losing to Czech Republic. Um, Nevin, I know you predicted uh, them to go far. Disappointed? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it came from a, a space of being a Netherlands fan that that <laughs> really logic. Because going into the tournament, I had zero expectations from Netherlands. So then the group state performance sort of was... Uh, was sort of like I I can be in some sense. So like wow, this team can play Van Alden and everybody sort of really hit hit, the, hit their peak form, and then they just disappear. Uh, it's just uh, I think it's a story of Netherlands and Depay and all these players did not really reach world class levels yet, and the red card certainly didn't help uh, for delight. Uh, so I I was very disappointed with. Uh, uh, Frank Frankie Dion as well because um, I, he, I think he is to me the best player uh, for that team. I know everybody talks about Van Alden, Depay, and all that, but I, I expected him to play a significant role in this uh, uh, in this Netherlands side, but he was sort of nearly absent. But we have to, uh, we have to accept the fact that this is still a young team. Uh, I st it's not like a Belgium where this the, the era is gone. I think they, they can. Still they just need a good manager, and I think. Uh, you need the defenders. You need their top defenders like uh, Van Dyke and everybody ready there. And uh, a, a centre back combination of Van Dyke and Delight would be, I think, uh, uh, would be a big, big uh, boost. So it's there. I, I, I don't think as Netherlands fan you need to be sad because I think nobody was expecting anything in the first place. Uh, and I think I've been very surprised by Czech Republic, Denmark. Uh, Switzerland, all these clubs have, re all these uh, teams have really played well, and I was just wondering if if that's partly because their squad is fresher. These are not players that were playing, you know, 50, 60 matches the season. Uh, a lot of them are squad players for a lot of teams. So I, I was just wondering, is it has it helped because they are top level players and they are you know in top level squads, but they're not playing you know 50, 60 matches. So maybe that helped as well because you know. Um, everybody's calling Christensen the new Maldini. So and uh, and uh, a lot some of goal. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, so so I, we are pleasantly surprised. Uh, happy that France is out. I was getting really bored with that team. Vimal, how uh, did France lose to Switzerland? And um, personally speaking, when Mbappe came to take that penalty, I would have put my mortgage on that. Him scoring. I, I have one uh, before Vimal says uh, there is something Vimal might not have heard from the last podcast. I called him the Triore. <laughs> so <laughs> I called him the Triore because it, it's, I don't know. I was really disappointed with Mbappe throughout the match. He just runs with the ball. It seems like no you know what he wanted. It. It's just yeah, it's just very disappointing to see such a talented player just do whatever he wants. With yeah, that, with that squad, Vimal, how did they lose to Switzerland? I know we they lost ten penalties, but they were what two one up or something or three one up even with ten minutes to go, a squad with that talent. Okay, so I have a friend, uh, uh, friend here who's studying the same course as I do, and 
he told me that, I mean, it was a very interesting uh, analogy from him. He's like, if any team's conceding more than three goals, you don't deserve to win a major tournament. That's how he simply put it. And uh, he, he didn't single out any player, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be very harsh on Mbappe, honestly, because he's just 20, 21, and he's already won the World Cup. And he's, he's, he's just a kid, come on, he's, he's 21 years old. And, and you can't just blame um, a kid just like that for missing a penalty. I mean, it is crucial, but I think it, it is kind of a learning experience for him. And as what you've asked me, I mean, how can a squad like this lose? I really don't know, because I think I think it's like just like what happened with Germany. You know, they should have probably, you know, said goodbye to Joachim Lowe a little earlier. You know, after they won the World Cup, probably. And I think that is the same case with uh, Deschamps as well. Once you win the biggest prize, you know, you, you you don't know what to do next because you've won it all. I mean, you've won the best prize there is. So you know, you, you don't know how to go forward now. And very few people can you know do that. And I, I think that's what's happening with France as well. And I'm not really sure about these uh, rumors of, uh, you know, like some, some some issues within the squads. But if that is true, that is that has always been the case with France, you know. There's mm. always some trouble within the squad. Like, even when it was with Analka and, you know, like Valbuena. Now there's like Benzema before the Euros. Then now it's like Giroud. And so there's always some tension within the squad, which is, which is a French thing, I guess. I don't know. But uh, yes, it is. It was surprising that they lost. I mean, they were obviously the favourites. But I think, in a way, even I'm happy because uh, I genuinely think it, uh, I, I genuinely want Italy to win because I mean they've been fantastic. <laughs> There's you no doubt about them. that. I think the fact that they couldn't qualify for Russia, I think that that really hit them hard. They're and, a really good watch. Yes, yes, and they're a passionate, you know, country about when it comes to football and. I really hope that you know this is sort of a. I hate Italy again. I have to make that uh, very clear. But I just hope that you know. Sometimes you just wish, like, if, if a team has gone through a lot, you know what? Yeah, just let them just go and win it. <laughs> That's the same case with England as well. You well, guys have been through a lot for so long. You were here for the England Germany game, and you must have realised how big a game that is for the English. Yes. Yes. yes that is. I could I could feel it on the road. I was working after after the game, uh, and I could see people like drunk people doing so much on the roads. Some of them not really legal, if I'm right, but <laughs> well, you gotta give it to them. They're, they're having the best days of their lives in the last couple of weeks, at least. So I wouldn't stop them from doing anything. Let them go crazy, you know. It's not every day you see them like this. <laughs> I mean, of all people, Muller missing that. Opportunity, yes. Evan. Um, it was every bit of that. <laughs> uh, but um, that was a huge. I, I think I would have put uh, more money on Muller finishing that over uh, over uh, Mbappe penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like it is his bread and butter, and yeah. to, you know, finish. <laughs> but I agree with uh, Vimal. Uh, the German team does need freshening up. I think Joachim Lowe probably stayed on for a few more years than he should have. Um, but the, I think uh, I, I somehow feel the German team itself doesn't require freshening up. I think it's more of strategy, yeah. and uh, uh, I don't think the the players are the perfect problem. I think in France it is. I think Pogba, Kante. I think you need to push them now. I I don't think Kante played really well at all, and Pogba, for all his brilliance in the in the forward regions, was you know. Not that great in defense. Rabio, I uh, Rabio is one player that is very confusing for me. Everybody, every coach seems to like him, but 
I don't really find him uh, that good in the on the pitch when I see on TV. At least maybe there are things that I don't understand. Uh, and I don't know. It's just uh, it's this this French team has to now say you know we're going to press a restart. Let's go with younger players. Mbappe for sure, definitely because he he is the future. And you know just build a uh, build a squad around young players now. That let this this generation just pass because. It's not like a team. It's not like a France. France B team could have qualified. I mean, they're just a very, very strong squad. So I think it's high time uh, the the pop bars and uh, all these guys are told that you know there's nothing granted in this team. It's not like you can walk in and just expect to do what you want. And I think Wimbledon is spot on in terms of you know you can't concede three in a tournament and expect to win. And and it's not like the person the personnel was a problem. You have uh, one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. You have best, you know, great defenders. You you have so you have surplus defenders that Laporta is now going and playing in Spain. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's how surplus it is. And so uh, you can't really complain about you know if you're conceding still, there's something really uh, fundamentally wrong with that. But I think this is unique in the sense that uh, we've got the World Cup next year, so there's not a two-year gap. So it'll pretty much yeah. be this French squad going into that World Cup. And I still think they'll be one of the favourites, if not the favourite, um, going into that World Cup. And um, we'll see if... Um... Do you think Zidane is going to come? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big call. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's national team manager material, I'll be honest. Um, I'm sure there's... Uh, there's uh... But I think, uh, I personally feel it's about egos. And it's not like Deschamps is the any lesser of a player. He himself is a World Cup yeah, and you yeah. know winner and all that. Captain of '98, if I remember right. So, um, uh, but I think uh, maybe as a Dane coming in, that is the last 20 years is greatest uh, France player, French player. So maybe mm. him coming in can you know change things around a little. Well, he's used to working with Galactico, so maybe yeah, he he's got that. <laughs> Um, influence and he's got the medal that he can wear every day. He's got a few medals actually, so yeah, we'll see. Um, but just um, in terms, I, I want to talk about Italy for sure, the best team in the tournament by far. But in terms of, it seems to be written in the stars. If you're English, it's been it's written in the stars. It's coming home. If you're Danish, it's written in the stars after what happened. Uh, because they're pulling out performances. They're not by far. I mean, they're ranked somewhere. 12th, 13th in the world, um, but they haven't got any stars. What do you think, Vimo? Who's it written in the stars more for? Again, I would like to go go with Italy because... No, out of Denmark and England. Oh, I think uh, it's going to be a very closely contested match, but come on, England has to go to Wembley. It is written in the stars, like you said. That is the only way it works, I think. Uh, but... Um, you know, that, that I, I saw yesterday's match and I, I have to say that Denmark really are playing collectively as a team. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, the fact that they don't have like star players is probably one of the positives they have. You know, that they're like, come on, let's do this. Let's, or, and, and the fact that, you know, they lost one of their best players probably, unfortunately. I think, uh, you know, they, they are playing, you know, to prove that, okay, we need to win something for at least, for, at least for Ericsson, we need to do this. And that can, you know, can kind of it can ignite a spark, you know, like to you know go for it. And I think that, that it, it's definitely going to be a difficult match for England from all the previous games, at least. Uh, but I think they're going to edge them like 2-1, maybe. 
Is that's that's my prediction at least. <laughs> well, it'll be the first goal England Nevin have conceded, and it's at the semi-final stage if that does happen, which is incredible. But yes. on the flip side, I think the Danes are the toughest team England have met so far, because yes. if you look at the group states, Scotland, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Germany, well, they weren't at the best. And then yes. let's not talk about Ukraine. I don't know how they got to where they are, but um, <laughs> this is going to be the toughest game for Denmark. Um, so England have done a bit of a repeat of Russia, managed to get there through because the other, the other half had Portugal, France, um, Spain, Italy. Belgium, Spain. all the big teams were on the other half of the group. How do you see this one going? You don't uh, have to be uh, biased because Vimal and I are on the show. <laughs> oh, I'm not biased, but like judging on what England has on paper, obviously they're hands down favourites. But it really is, again, uh, you know, waiting for a Southgate masterclass because, uh, you know, will they take uh, take an attacking approach against Denmark? Will no. they also, you know, take a very... <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, so that's going to be a problem because if they don't go on an attack, you are allowing Denmark to grow into the game. And uh, they are a very lethal side if you look at it. Good chance they convert. Uh, they've yeah. got a few very decent players who, who ensure that uh, the... the conversion ratio is quite nice and they're compact it's not going to be very easy to score against them as well so uh it'll be a very tight game i'm expecting like a one one or like a one nil here and there but uh, i think danes have nothing to lose they're, yeah. they're going there and they, they, so that really helps while england uh i know the fans are going to back them but it's also be the 60, opposite there'll right? be hardly a thousand danes yeah exactly it'll be fifty nine thousand so, english people Exactly. So the whole point is uh, uh, that can also be pressure in some yeah. sense. You are also uh, you've reached the stage. Uh, it's it's almost coming home. So I think the pressure is also you know be, going to be on these players. So and it'll be a very tightly contested match. I don't think it'll be. But I hope Sancho and uh, the likes are given the license to. And they, I hope they don't revert back to their. Uh, they will. Know. It was, it was Ukraine, so he, he let a few players um, have some game time. So I don't think he'll be playing an attacking football from the start. My worry is if Denmark score first, there'll be two situations England have not yet faced. Well, three. One is the crowd pressure you mentioned, Nevin. It's the fact that they've um, allowed a goal and they are behind. So it'll be good to see how these young players react under that situation. If they get 1-0 up, I think. Uh, I'll tell you one thing though. I think Henderson hitting form is a big, big boost for uh, uh, for England. I think he should play. I know he doesn't really fit the system with Rice and uh, uh, Phillips there, but uh, I prefer I don't know. Rice I, and Phillips. I don't know. I, I think Henderson uh, offers a bit of a penetration, and he's a great captain to have on the on the pitch. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's going to be very tricky. Uh, made a tricky decision for Southgate. I'll probably go with what he's been going through the tournament. <clears throat> but does these two have that same forward drive as the Henderson? Uh, and uh, I, it, it's a, a, I think it's about strategy. If, if they're not required to play those diagonals and quick releases, then it's okay to not play Henderson. But if, if you have the likes of uh, the, pay, the pace of Sterling and Sancho to burn, you should be using it more. Uh, more abundantly, and I think in those instances, Henderson is a better pick over both Rice and Phillips. So, uh, by the way, I think all. Harry Kane signed for a new 
new team. That's why he started scoring all of a sudden. He switched on. Yeah. So I think that's done and dusted. We'll probably hear about <laughs> it afterwards. Uh, Vimo, Spain, I've just not enjoyed watching. How does a team with no striker get to the same? Well, I suppose that's a, there's a masterclass that's there. Right yeah, well, <laughs> I think it, that he should be got, done for under the Trade Descriptions Act that he's badged as a striker. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Spain is, like you said, the right word is boring. I haven't seen a more boring football team in the last few years. At least when they won the World Cup at uh, uh, in South Africa, they, they had like really class players. And I, I have to say they don't have the same right now. I, I can barely count the amount of good world-class players in Spain's squad. And I'm actually surprised how they got to this stage. And I, I believe that there's a lot of luck involved in it as well. And uh, I genuinely don't think they can actually challenge Italy in any manner because I think they simply don't jinx Italy, enough. guys. Come on, don't jinx Italy. <laughs> I think no, no. if anybody, because of the boring football, Vimal, I'm so scared that Spain will go through, and I don't want them to. I really don't want them to. Oh, yes, neither do I. I. I simply would hate to see them in the final. Uh, it's it's irony, right? That we are we are associating Italy with a good football. <laughs> exactly. Football. How about that against Spain? <laughs> wow. And the Things other thing, the other thing, Vimo, is the fact that I can't remember the last time Italy lost to football. And law of averages <laughs> says yes. they're due. Yeah, I mean, I see. I'll tell you one thing though. Uh, the, just adding that. I think Spinazzola's absence will be a big big yeah. problem for Italy. Yes, I was just going to say the same. Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, Emerson is in is in the same quality, which will force Mancini to maybe you know tinker the system also a little bit. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Women, sorry, I had to, you know jumped into your answer. Yes, I was actually going to talk about uh, Spinazzola as well because he's been terrific for them, and it's unfortunate that he can't even play for like half a year or something right now. And 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 the thing is, a lot of people have been. I just want to add that a lot of people have underestimated what Roberto Mancini can actually do. I mean, if you remember, he was the guy who got Manchester City's first Premier League title. And ever since, people haven't really rated him or people don't really mention Mancini's name when they talk about the top coaches. And I think he's done a brilliant job, you know, building a collective unit. And I think a lot of credit has to go to him as well. And uh, I still believe that I think it's going to be a cakewalk for Italy. I'm not trying to jinx them at all but I, because I genuinely don't want Spain to win as well. <laughs> I really hope they don't. I mean, I mean, I have one of my favorite, most favorite players playing for Spain. Obviously, you know who I'm talking about. But it's still the best to win. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would feel bad only for that man. But otherwise, I, I really don't have any, any... I, do, I really hope they lose. <laughs> I, I still feel uh, immobile. Uh, in, in, like, I don't think Italy's got a good striker. Both, uh, both their strikers have not been really top class. Uh, they've really relied on the wingers, and I think the, considering the chances that an Italy side makes, usually I don't think they score enough. So, uh, but like I think Spain has been quite weak in their back. Uh, they're not really great at defense. They've been scoring goals and somehow getting through. So uh, it'll be a, and uh, to see somebody like a uh, Chilini coming and uh, defending like that. Uh, so this is Italy. So. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I will put my money on Italy, but uh, I think I got all the predictions wrong in the phases so far. So. <laughs> Who says <laughs> I, you I, need uh, fast pace uh, uh, centre backs with pace? Who says that? When you have a ball, right? You just like you 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, Bonucci is 34, uh, Cellini is 36. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. The performances they're putting in. Uh, but I also have to mention the goal Insania scored the other day. Yes. What an yes, amazing goal. Um, I don't know why. Why would anybody who's seen football allow this fellow to cut though? I, I think it's also like I think coaches should be like don't allow Insania to cut it to his right foot. This is what he does. This is his you know favorite thing to do. He'll try ten times in a match and he will score also. I think it's just uh, it's also bad defense in some sense. Just show him the outer path. You know, never ask him, never allow him to cut uh, cut inside. And uh, or maybe it's just very skillful that despite the defender knowing it, he can still do it. But uh, never allow him to hit from that kind of a range because he's quite lethal and he does oh. this regularly for his club as well. So I, I love watching him and play. And I just wanted to add to the striker conversation. If that way, if you look at it, Spain. I mean, Spain's got Alvaro Morata up front. I think. He's not world class either, so no. I don't think the You guys have all. I think Ferran Torres is Ferran Torres is a better player. And yeah. I think he yeah. is sort of uh, but he, joining he, in as a striker. He doesn't score enough. Navas, I guess. Yeah. You I saw him in the other game. He had a few chances. He was nowhere near. Yes. Yes. And Morata. I mean, it's unfortunate Morata with the abuse he's getting online. But yeah, that's not right. Not, yes, he's that's not cool. But he's simply not good enough, in my opinion, at least. I mean, I mean, he scored a banger of a goal in the last match, but uh, with a good touch and then like volley. But that was, I, I think he's not just good enough. He's never I think he's a phenomenally talented player, but his mental space has always been a big problem. I think, yes. uh, I think it was idea. Buffon or somebody, I think Buffon or somebody who said about how this fellow came from Real Madrid yes. and uh, that they had to pick him up and say, you know, just act, you know, this is not easy world. and. So I think that has always been Murata's big problem. It's not never about talent. I think he's a phenomenally talented footballer. He's good in the air, great touches. He is uh, everything you can hope for except that that score. mentality. <laughs> no, and I think it's a uh, you know when when going gets tough, that Suarez element or a Diego Costa element needs to kick in for a striker. You need to get ugly sometimes, and he mm. doesn't do that. Well, uh, Vimal at the start of the show is saying you're looking for a striker. And yes. They're not getting Morata for sure. <laughs> Every time somebody mentions Costa, I cry a little inside. <laughs> no, he is a, he is a one-off, a ruthless guy. You don't want to be a defender up against uh, Costa, yes. definitely. Yes. Um, I, I think you. I think he's a fantastic teammate as well. He's just a joker. You don't know what to expect. So if you see a lot of Chelsea videos, he seems like a very fun guy as well. I mean, unpredictable. Uh, he'll probably definitely. do some, you know, crazy prank on you as well. <laughs> what a character! I mean. This is what I, I told you about it, uh, South American nature. I miss that. I yeah. miss, uh, miss that element in football. We don't want everybody to be just perfect. You know? we, need the, we need the oddballs. You do, you do. Absolutely. Uh, but um, just ending the show, in terms of Italy, I mean, nobody was talking about them at the start of the tournament. Certainly not in the programs um, I was watching. Uh, Nevin was, uh, quite rightly. Uh, but uh, Nevin often gets things right rather than the uh, pundits who get paid a fortune to talk about these things. Hello. That's actually the only prediction I've made right in <laughs> But, you know, <coughs> how Mancini's done it, and let's face it, he's not done it with publicity that this team is really up, up and coming and it's great to watch and fantastic. It's been, it'll be unfortunate if they don't win um, because I think they are by far the best team in the tournament. But um, if they don't win, 
and let's say for sake of argument and keep me and Vimal happy England win, would you still say the best team didn't win? I would I'm... say so. Yes. Okay, sorry, sorry. I mean, I thought it was. No, no, no. I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, I, I would definitely say so. I mean, if Italy wins, great. But if England wins, I would still say that okay, the best team probably lost. But then it that's doesn't matter. I mean, nobody remembers the best team. They only remember the winners. So <laughs> I, I genuinely think that Italy are, are the best team and. I, I, I personally feel the best team always wins the tournament. There is no two ways. Even Greece? Even Greece. But, I mean, <laughs> if nobody could defeat them, that is it, right? They're the best team. Well, they hardly won any games. I think they got through on um, penalties and... But they, nobody defeated them, right? Because if you look at it, so, the only one that is in that category now is Spain. I think if Denmark win, yeah, they put in the performances. We've seen the collective spirit. They deserve. They do a repeat of whenever they want it. That time when they came off the beach on my tournament. I think tournament. Spain is a fantastic story because this is a new team, and they'll say like you know, without any expectations, they went out to win a Euro. They'll be like that'll be like the beginning of something else for them as well. So I think everybody's got a story to sell. Uh, just you know how they look at it. But um, I, 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 if England wins, they deserve it. I don't think we should say we should talk about it. Well, you know, if England win, you won't stop hearing about it for the next uh, two years. <laughs> Three of years. Course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think even the World Cup won't matter. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's true. But like, I mean, definitely for the neutrals, I think the Italy side must have been their favorites. I saw a lot of tweets saying, you know, they are play acting and all that. I mean, come on. If you've been saying football enough, this is just part of football now. It's not something that's uh, isolated and only happening for Italian players. Everybody does it. I think and the classic think was in was the. A... Sorry, go on, Nevin. No, 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 please. Now, I was just going to say, and the perfect example was when at least got their first goal. I don't know who is rolling yeah. around. Soon yeah, since zero in mobile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he and I think that's the kind of shithousing we know as football fans. Just, I think we sort of we hate it when it happens to us, against us. But you know, we just we've accepted it. But somebody who's not really familiar with football, they're like, you know, what is the uh, where it's is not the, the English way, Nevin? How many times? <laughs> My God, <laughs> so. it's not. It's, it's not the way it should be played. It's a gentleman's game. Uh, like everything yeah. that we do in England is very gentlemanly. <laughs> I, I can't believe football is a gentleman's game. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, cricket, yes. Golf, yes. All well, that stuff boxing, you have the Queen's, Queensbury rules. Tennis, you know, we have to play in white if you're Wimbledon. I don't know if you know the story. Uh, Ankita Reina was uh, playing a doubles match. And I think yes. she had a wrong colour or too many colours. So they wouldn't allow her to wear uh, that particular outfit and yet she had to wear Wimbledon. So in England, we have to do things uh, the right way and diving and uh, all of that we don't like. I know, I know. We, we were ruled by uh, the same guys uh, for, for many years. So we still have uh, we still have leftovers in the country, uh, right from the administrative services. So we, we go through it as well. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, but, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I just coming back to the point, I think uh, whichever team wins, I think it's it's still a fantastic story, and I think that's that's true for the Champions League. I, I'm sure women will say that you know on paper Chelsea didn't play the best um, best Champions League in 2012, but do we care? No, uh, <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure there were other seasons where Chelsea were arguably the best side, but you know got undone by like a bad refereeing decision or something like that. 
But at the end of the day, everybody remembers the team that went on to win. And it's not like the team that went on to win were bad. It's, it's all a matter of perspective, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but one thing, Vimal, it's been a brilliant tournament. Um, uh, refereeing's been absolutely fantastic. I know we've got three, three yes. more games to go, but I've really enjoyed the tournament. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm actually heading to Wembley next week. I hope I get a ticket. Uh, but if not, at least I'm going to watch it in one of those fan parks. So my plan is to do Wimbledon on Saturday and then oh US wow on Sunday. Oh yeah, you, yes. you have to share uh, some. I, I thought you went there for education. This <laughs> <laughs> it seems like some uh, Nevin, ne Nevin, whenever you go abroad for education, it's also the culture. You have to immerse <laughs> yourself in the culture. And I've been yeah, I'm just so <laughs> much outside. That's why I couldn't join the show last week. I mean, I just wanted to save some money. I know I'm going to blow away some money. Oh, if, if you're in London, my friend, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> deep so pockets. <laughs> the price. So yes, uh, the price of uh, everything is uh, a lot more in London, but you have um, uh, 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 a time that you will not forget, hundred uh, percent. So yes. yeah, make My sure you. My actually going to Wembley uh, to watch the Spain Italy game. He got the ticket for two hundred and fifty bucks. I am so jealous of him. <laughs> you have no clue. <laughs> I hope I get the big price and get a ticket for the final. Well, they came out this week. Uh, we were looking, uh, but they were about uh, five hundred pounds each when we looked. I think it was a category okay. two as well. We okay. thought, no, yes, I'm not yes. going to spend that. That's the same as my season ticket at the King Power. Um, so I'll, I'll watch it at home. Um, no, it's going to be really, really good. Looking forward to the next three games, possibly four. We've got a Brazil-Argentina final. So a lot of football to look forward to this week. Um, it's just knowing what to do. Don't with forget those. Olympics, guys. There's, there's Olympics also. Well, it's yes. funny you should mention that because uh, the football show is going to take a break for a couple of weeks. We're going to have um, a hockey show next week, and then we're going to have uh, Olympics uh, for the next uh, two oh, wow. weeks after that. that. Um, so it'll be good to get you guys on talking about the Indian chances in the Olympics and how we're getting on. And um, that's going to be easy. That's going to be just one show if you're talking about the Indian chances. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at. Vimal has now become like completely UK. I won't use the word. I won't use the word that we use for people like that Indians here. But in terms of. We're going to say Olympics going to come home, guys. No, I'm expecting quite a bit from the Indian team that's going there. So we'll talk about that. And obviously, the one I want is the hockey. I want a medal in hockey. I think that will be the cherry on the cake this year for the Olympics. But no, uh, Vimal, thank you for um, waking up early after the nights you've had. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. And please share images next week. It'll be good to see you having fun in the capital city. Nevin. I, sh I think, uh, 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 Bharat, uh, like, just like the Hangover movies where the, the credit section is just um, credits and a lot of photographs, I think we should end these shows with a lot of women photographs. Uh, <laughs> so, women, <laughs> best drunk women, we'll, shirtless. We'll have a stock of photos from next week onwards. So, yeah, we'll put that in. <laughs> Vimal having the time of his life uh, in England. Uh, this is what a master's or... Uh... Why, why, do you guys, why do you guys want to... <laughs> I, don't, I have nothing to say. I think I'm going to go with Mourinho's dialogue here. If I speak, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you made my Sunday and thank you again, Nevin. Um, you know, hopefully things will get better and you can enjoy football like Vimal and I are doing because that's what we wish for awesome. you very soon. Vimal, 
as always, thank you for joining us. Like I said, I know it's been a tough morning after the night before, but um, (laughs) have a great time next week. I'll catch you both um, hopefully very soon in one show or another. Stay safe, my friends. Yes, thank you. Have a good day. (laughs)